0: Now, I don't know if I'm meant to share this, but our general manager just popped in and said, this is my Uh favourite show. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. I did. Fo- oh, and yep. I thought, well, you're only human. Oh, uh, look. Is what I thought.
1: <laughs> I thought it was because I was here, but then. Maybe. We haven't done the show yet, so. We can...
0: <laughs> We've got time to change oh, Dr. his, Paul, to change his he mind. He set the bar
1: high for me this week.
0: Well, of course, it's pet chat. This oh. is what we do. We, we help people. We love getting your calls. We've got David on standby. But what are we chatting about a little later on today, Cheryl? Oh, for me, we're going to be talking about hermit crabs. <sighs> They're fun, aren't
2: they? They are mm. fun.
1: Mm. And again, Cheryl, a brooch for every occasion. It's
2: Absolutely. a beautiful brooch too of yeah. a hermit crab. But you guys, you miss the shells on the necklace. Oh God, you team. So we got the crabs and the shells. Can you really team with the theme. I don't,
1: I, you? I don't want to state the obvious, but you clearly put more preparation into <laughs> this than I do.
0: She looks beautiful. Well, that's that's true in all respects. <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, Maxine, you're in Fishing Point and you've got a question about your daughter's macaw.
3: Yes, my daughter's macaw. She's absolutely beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, she's bonded with my daughter. She's probably, I was just trying to work out, she's probably around 15. Her name's Daisy, but she is continually plucking her feathers. And My daughter lives in London and mm-hmm. Every time I look at Daisy on FaceTime, there seems to be less feathers on her chest and her body and anywhere else she can reach. Yes. So recently my daughter, I think she researched some type of a cape, um, which is quite an attractive yellow cape, (laughs) but apparently Heidi had to wear it first for a few days to get Daisy used to the cape. So it sort of looks like a scarf type of thing. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. That okay. bird will not have
1: a bar of the cape. <laughs> no, I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and do you know what species of macaw that uh, she is?
3: Well, she's um, predominantly red with blue. She's not one of the gold type. Not not blue and gold, she's blue with red. But okay. I I don't know exactly what species. Um, she's border in the Caribbean, if that's any help.
1: Right, okay. So couple of things and i think my i have had some experience with macaws quite a long time ago um, when i was working in a predominantly bird practice and a lot of the problems that we see in birds particularly when we see feather plucking come down to a couple of things that we usually work on so it's making sure we don't have skin disease parasites those sort of things We can usually rule those out pretty quickly, either by um, some of the diagnostic tests that a vet would do, and sometimes even a treatment trial, but very quickly, and particularly with these large parrots that uh, do tend to couple up, and so they uh, are used to having people around, or sorry, other birds, I guess, Um, and so when there's periods of time when they're on their own, and you've got the disruption of the bird moving and everything, then one of the ways we see psychological problems manifest is through feather plucking, and it's always going to be at the areas where the bird can reach quite easily. So, often on the chest, as you said. This does get pretty difficult if it's left to persist, and certainly is worth consulting with uh, a veterinarian who has experience with these birds, and s- particularly with these species, because it's not, it's different to say a budgerigar which um, is a flock species. So they, you know, in the wild, they hang out with large flocks of hundreds of birds. So their behaviour patterns are different uh, to the um, parrots that hang out with, you know, two, four or five birds. Uh, You're going to see different psychological patterns. So I would really encourage your daughter to uh, find a veterinarian locally who can then probably provide a referral uh, the good thing is, London is, um, you know, a very uh, c- civilised place where you're going to have access to uh, plenty of people who can help out with that. Um, because in some cases, we need to use medication. The cape is not a bad idea, but as you said, they just pull it off because they've got these great beaks that are very, very uh, able to be used to practically do and undo anything. So, yes. yeah,
3: yes. she's amazing with her beak. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess my my daughter, whom she has bonded with, um, has become her, I I guess, the soul mate because she doesn't have a mate. And my daughter works long hours and I I think it's a a form of stress that, you know, she's lonely and what else can she do? Well, she just plucks the feathers. yeah that's, a
1: lot. yeah, that's exactly right. And then we see this problem. It's not just birds, but that's how birds b- display that anxiety. But also we see dogs, we see even cats that are, have this separation anxiety and it will manifest in all sorts of behaviours and just... Uh, very careful note is that just making sure we talk to a veterinarian who's able to work with a particular species because obviously if we start lo- looking at medications we've got to make sure that they're safe in that species so, so.
0: you can medicate birds oh as yeah well absolutely with,
1: with yeah, yeah and any
0: uh, anxiety
1: I, uh, look in years ago i did as i said lots of work with birds and and um we were medicating them but we also did behavioural modification okay because
0: macaws can live to like 60 70 years old can't they
1: yeah well it depends on the species again obviously so that that's part of it but uh so if the bird's 15 it doesn't mean that you can't teach it anything but it does take a lot of work and that's why the ones that i've seen here in australia almost always people get them in pairs right for that company yes Mm. but they're very expensive but yeah. it's to have.
0: They're big. So they're parrots. There's like nice South American
1: parrots. Very types. large. Yeah. Um, but there are, you know, smaller macaws, larger macaws. Okay. Mm.
0: Interesting. Thank yes. you for the call, Maxine. Well, David, we've had a caller who, who phoned in and said that their bird was pulling out their feathers and they found that they left the TV on when they went away and it stopped. So maybe that company, that, that voice, that Does noise. Does
1: help. And it's part of the behavioural modification that we were talking about. You're providing some distraction. So the birds, particularly these large parrots, are very intelligent. Mm. You know, we know that they can learn uh, words and so on. So we, um, yeah, I reckon that would be a great idea. Okay. But it is a multifactorial thing. You know, there's aspects of diet. Uh, Cheryl, you were mentioning sexual maturity.
2: That's right. At that age, that bird would be coming into that phase mm. of life. Ah, oh, so that could be a reason Yeah, I
1: mean certainly
0: getting it checked by
2: the pocket. vet but there's a whole range of things that could be going on.
1: Absolutely, yeah
0: Okay, well let's go back to the phones Jenny from Duns Creek, you've got a question about your pooch
4: I have, hi, how are you going?
1: G'day Jenny, how can we help?
4: Um, I have a four year old female kelpie um, who has been diagnosed with a condition called cerebellar ataxia ataxia?
1: Ataxia, yeah
4: yeah, have you heard of
1: it? Yes. Um, okay. Well, four-year-old is strange to have it die. I guess it can take time to oh, make sorry. the diagnosis. Sorry,
4: she was diagnosed very early on. Oh right. yeah,
1: yeah. Because yeah, it's normally well. normally present from birth.
4: Well, yes, yeah. yeah. We just thought she was a bit slow and a bit special, but um, <laughs> yeah, she. <laughs> yeah.
1: She's still special <laughs> to you guys. That's amazing. Very
4: special. Very entertaining. <laughs> um, I. I do believe she has other conditions as well. Yes. Um, uh, as Yeah, my, but my question with it is, does it shorten her lifespan?
1: Um, So a little bit of background for those who don't know about cerebellar ataxia. So very quickly, our uh, neurological system is broken up into our nerves out in the tissue, the spinal cord and the brain. The brain has a number of parts. The cerebrum, which is the thinking part, and the cerebellum has a number of activities. The main one that we tend to see when it's not working is um, ataxia, which is where you seem to be wobbly or out of balance. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are some other things that can occur where they kind of overreach or overstep. Uh, sometimes yep. we can see a tremor. Um, there are some other yep. cognitive aspects that we now know come from the cerebellum, but the main ones are motor disorders. And so, mm-hmm. if the dog has a degree of dysfunction where it's still able to eat and drink, and yep. not a not falling over downstairs and things like that, then no. generally. Um, I would, wouldn't expect it to shorten her life mm-hmm. it's, it's not like it has a direct effect on anything but I would be concerned you know if there's a problem with swallowing for instance
4: oh no she has no problem eating at all
1: which is yeah, great as
4: long as, as long as it's from a height if I give her uh, say an Arnott's biscuit just a plain biscuit whatever falls out of her mouth she can't pick up off the ground she doesn't have that I can't pick it up off the ground. But yes. if her food's up high in a bowl, um, like you would normally for a long-legged puppy, yes, yeah, then she can eat it. She doesn't have any problem mm. with food. But to eat something off the ground, chew a bone, no. Can't do anything like that.
1: Okay. Um, mm. <clears throat> swallowing in a lot of these complex neurological activities, uh quite well they're quite complicated involving different parts of the brain coordinating so this is one of the roles of the cerebellum is to coordinate yep. and so mm-hmm. um how do dogs get cerebellar ataxia i'm guessing did uh, the vet who diagnosed the problem talk to you about viral diseases during the pregnancy is that the thought no she didn't
4: she she didn't mention anything mm-hmm. okay. of it i have also got the full brother as well and how's the mother? He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. The size. yeah.
1: Most fine. most of That's the time, we think what happens is that they get exposed. The mother gets exposed to a virus during her pregnancy, um, ah. and that contributes to this problem. So, ah. there are different okay. viruses have effects in this way. Um, it's not that common mm-hmm. a problem that we see. We see it more commonly in cats. There seems to be a bit more sensitivity. Um, but it certainly can occur in dogs and otherwise i think the biggest problem is swallowing and if um you know most of the time that's okay then Mm -hmm. i don't think it should have an effect on her duration of life oh perfect so that's the
4: only thing i should look out for
1: is the swallowing yeah i'd always keep on top of things by having you know regular checkups with your vet because obviously you know you want to make sure nothing's missed but just from that particular disease, I, I think that's the main concern. So otherwise, no, I think you'd be right.
0: Thanks for the call, Jenny. Again, just an awesome pet owner there, isn't she? Jenny, finding out all this stuff yeah. to look after her dog? It's,
1: it's an unusual problem, mm. yes. Not something I've seen a lot.
0: I've never heard of it. Not that that accounts for much, but...
1: That's why we, people come to Pet Chat.
0: That's right, We David. cover everything. It's the expert advice and the knowledge. We appreciate it. Now, Anthony has broken his dog. Actually, no, Anthony from Broke has a question about his dog. That's a bit better, Anthony.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, good, uh, thanks, Anthony. How can we help? Well,
5: I've often wondered with people that take dogs shooting or even as far as police dogs, does it damage their ears and do their re- ears recuperate and or, or is there something in place that you can actually protect their ears if it does do damage to them?
1: That's a really good question. Mm. I've never thought about that. Doggy earmuffs. Yeah, well, I mean, we've treated police dogs, I have, over the years, and um, military dogs um, from the Air Force and so on. I have seen various injuries, never thought about the hearing problem. I have treated, not so much recently, but certainly when I first moved to the Hunter 30 years ago and I was practising up in the Hunter Valley, we did see dogs that... Sometimes went out um, pig hunting or shooting or something, and I've never can, I can't, can't think of a dog that I saw where they said, "Oh, he's lost his hearing." So okay. I don't know. I mean, certainly the the uh, volume and the decibels you would think would be a risk. Perhaps I'm just uh, there's a snippet in the uh, back in the recesses of my brain that makes me think someone once mentioned this about putting some cotton wool in their dog's ear. To kind of dull that sound, but it wasn't a military dog. It wasn't a police dog.
4: Yeah, because
5: so. what, what when I thought about it, I was watching a, um, a, just a movie where somebody had a, uh, a police dog and they were actually in the chambers where they practice shooting, you know, and the dog, so that the dog doesn't get scared of this gunshot. Oh, okay. And that's what sort it of made me think, you know, like they've got their prediction in, in that uh, mm. shooting range, but <laughs> what about the dog?
1: <laughs> that's a really good question. And I'm. I mean, they would be susceptible to uh, volume injury. Um, so I, I'm wondering how, you know, common that might occur. I'm going I'm to have to ask some people about that. I've never that heard of That could be it.
0: a good topic because, I mean, dogs go deaf when they get older. Some do. I'm sure Gizmo's deaf. So you'd think yes. that they can lose I their I think that's
1: behavioural, too. Sarah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, could, just,
0: you could be right Just yeah. ignoring you. <laughs> yeah, could be right on the money. <laughs> but that is an interesting topic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well,
5: our, our ears don't uh, recuperate real well, and, and often when they're damaged through hot, loud noise, then they're they buggered for life sort of thing, you
1: know, it yes. Makes me
5: yeah.
1: Well, we do know that dogs have a different fre- frequency range with yeah. their hearing, um, mm. but I, I, I'm going to have to investigate that. Mm. Thank you, yeah. Anthony. Right, we'll all find right. out. Okay. We'll I'll get. Hope. Get an answer back in the next uh, few days or a week and see what we can find out.
2: Are you back? Okay, have well... got some homework, David? I'm pleased I... about that. You're <laughs> pleased about me
1: having homework? <laughs> Good on well, you, Anthony. Well, okay, well, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Anthony.
0: <laughs> oh, you're going to be kept busy. Are you back next week or is it Dr uh, Hall?
1: No, I'm not sure. Oh! <gasps> <laughs> He's oh, got to do could, his homework. We could put something on, maybe on Facebook. I don't want to commit myself to that. But <laughs> well, Cheryl's going to hold me accountable. We Absolutely. are. Cheryl
0: and yeah. I are going to make sure when you're back next, you've got an answer. But oh, it is a great dear. topic when you think about that for
1: myself? Hmm.
0: Yeah. Let's go to Stephen now Oh, from Mount Vincent, He's got a question about dogs and hearing. Or a comment.
5: What?
1: Stephen, hello.
5: Actually, hello. Yeah, actually, it's, uh, there is a question coming later, but it's more of a comment. I, yes. I'd like, I'm perhaps I'm right off the planet with this one, but... I thought dogs had some kind of way of restricting the ear canal and attenuating the loudness that comes in. And for example, one of dogs barking in your ear it hurts. But <laughs> so when they're when they're barking in each other's ears, and it's huge volume, so uh, the decibel level would be would be very high. So I don't know. Any comments on that?
1: Well, the uh, our ear canals have a very short horizontal ear canal, so from the outside to the uh, eardrum is a very short distance. Um, generally hairless uh, in the external ear canal. Dogs, obviously, uh, more hair in there, plus it's quite long and it's an L-shaped. So it goes, there's a vertical part and then a horizontal part. So it's not that they would have any control in terms of uh, changing the shape of the ear or anything like that, but I do think you may be onto something that um, that uh, they're hearing is different in terms of volume just because of the shape and makeup of their ear canal so maybe that is part of the answer for this question yeah
5: okay thanks and the other question is look I had a lovely collector's parrot yes and um oh it broke my heart I got home I was called home and she was rising away and we took her to uh, the local vets and just about four minutes out she passed away oh. and I had an x-ray done it looked as though she might have chewed some aluminium fly screen on the house yes is that a common problem with
1: yes yes it okay is. yeah so- we see a lot of birds will and and because they use their beak to grab onto stuff and everything uh will pick up bits of um a lot of those fly screens have um uh solder or something around the edges or they, they just have a component of metal in them that can be toxic and it can cause neurological problems uh, blood problems liver problems and so oftentimes we would see caged birds that present with seizures uh, then heavy metal disease is a, a very likely to be the cause of that
5: yeah, well, the X-ray did show some little fragments of aluminium wire in her. I yes. assume it's aluminium, But, look, I, I just hate seeing birds in cages. So she used to walk around the house and interact with the dogs and things, and uh, it was yeah. lovely. But, I'm, but I kind of losed to get another one because I'd be <laughs> able handle the heartbreak again. But mm. uh, yeah.
1: yeah, particularly for a bird like an eclectus, which mm. is uh, mm. quite a spectacularly looking um, northern Australian and Papua New Guinea uh, New Caledonia as well. There's a few other yeah. species uh, in that group, and they're quite a spectacular looking bird. Um, interestingly, saying that about not being in the cages, and I certainly can agree with you that you know if we do have birds in cages, I think they need to be quite large, um, much larger than most people really appreciate or a flight aviary. And I have seen a bird though that got heavy metal poisoning was allowed to walk around the house. And you know the vertical drapes? Yes. So oh, at, the, yeah. at the bottom of the vertical drapes, there's a weight. Uh-huh. They're, they're, uh-huh. they're weighted to hold them down. And right. um, there's metal in those, oh. sometimes, like sometimes lead. And yep. the bird was going along and chewing those. Yeah. Okay,
5: actually, yeah. yeah. No, it's I think I missed it. She used to sit on my shoulder all the way to melbourne in the car and you miss the company you know yeah of course you do yeah
2: Yeah. Yeah. i actually had a bird that had a problem with the galvanized cage so it was chewing on the galvanized metal on the cage so same deal it's really a worry
1: yeah so we always used to talk about the enamel coated cages or if you did have a galvanized cage that we would say to people you need to leave them out in the weather for about 12 months Mm-hmm. you know because it would oxidize all the cowl and then you can scrub it off and that yeah. means that you're not going to get that degree of risk of poisoning.
0: Yeah, it's really sad. So having them out of the cage it's sort of supervision, you know, if, if the birds hanging with Stephen and then maybe putting them in the cage a big enough cage when you're off to do something else so just right. having them out supervised to make so sure they're not eating.
1: Yeah, something they I mean particularly these larger parrots are very connected to people we were talking about that and there's been a couple of callers saying about um you know maxine's daughter's bird from the first call today you know how bonded they are and how they can get bored or their separation anxiety that sort of thing so you've got to pay attention to those behavioral aspects because they will get bonded they want to be with you and then if they're um left alone they can often just start chewing everything
0: yeah yeah, interesting. Sorry. Well, thank you for your call, Stephen. Marion, welcome to the show. You're in Clarence Town, and you've got a comment about your dog. Yes. Um,
6: well, dogs in general, I guess. I that was listening to the man talking about the ears and this is something mm. that's been on my mind for a while. These dogs and their highly perfumed baths and that that they go for and I had a family member, four-legged, come to stay with me for a while And I'm a bit sensitive to high smells and I thought when she came, oh my goodness, you know Um, and then I found her very hesitant to walk out and she usually just rushes off with the other dogs and after a a day or so I thought oh this is terrible so I gave her a good rinsing with plain water and she seemed a lot more relaxed after that and I just look at um, because to me dogs are dogs and they have great dignity and should be treated as such. Uh, I look at And and with the best of intentions, what people do with their dogs, and they forget their dogs. And um, I just think, you know, but that side of it, when you think of a dog's um, sense of smell, Mm. it is so powerful. that I just think that must be very uncomfortable for them to smell like that, you know, to smell like a hair salon or something. It's <laughs> not very nice, is it, really, when you think about it? They don't have a choice. This is what I'm saying. You know, people mm, just do mm. these things. I'm not into overdressing and all that sort of stuff either. Um,
0: you don't go the hairspray, Marion, and the you know the spritz of the no, perfume? I, I, no, I, Chanel.
6: I think that's an insult to a dog's intelligence, actually. <laughs> no, but, I meant mean you. Oh, me. Oh, me. I, only when I have
1: to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's a really interesting Comment because I think there's a couple of things that come up about dog sense of smell, and but the other thing is sensitivity on their skin. Now, Cheryl, you're the the dog grooming expert. Yeah,
2: and my, my area is skin, so that is exactly. a really important thing yes. for dogs. Now, I'm not a big um, believer in using colognes or perfumes on dogs either. I think oh. that um, there there is a sort of a limit to what you do. Not only does the dog not necessarily like it, but like you, Marion, sometimes the owner doesn't like it either, or the visitor. And some people are allergic to some different things. They'll cause them to get some rhinitis, and we'll have sneezing carrying on. So I don't like to use a cologne or a perfume on a dog, but I do like to have dogs bathe regularly because you can check the dog's condition of the skin. You can see if there's anything going on. So using the right products on the right um, type of um, skin that the dog has, so, you know, checking it out and using the right products is very important. Because if a dog is clean, it's going to feel a lot healthier, a lot happier.
4: Mm.
6: Yeah. Yes, oh, I absolutely believe in giving them a bath, whether they like it or not, you know, but um, for their own goodness but yeah, it just I just thought they must and it's funny enough, you know, you'll find these dogs are being bought because people have um allergies. Uh, So
1: they buy the dog that
5: they're not allergic to, like your little little glasses, all that sort of
1: thing, and then perfume it. And then then have the additives that probably trigger some allergies and so on. Yeah, and I was just thinking, though, Cheryl, that sometimes um, I've seen dogs where we, if they're being bathed too often, doesn't necessarily matter, apart from, say, water isn't a problem, but uh, with certain detergents and soaps, they actually don't work. I mean, they strip yep. the oils out of the coat.
2: That's right. So that's what I was saying. Mm. Using the right product right. on the dog for what condition it is, because you do find some dogs are really oily, they're really greasy, and they need to have that grease taken away to stop different. Well, fungi. that could
1: actually be part of a disease. That's right. As well, like seborrheic dermatitis. Yep. So that's where we're getting um, increased production of oils, and a lot of the dogs I've seen, particularly these smaller white dogs and so on, we see malassezia. Uh, it's called malassezia pachydermatitis. Yep. So where they get these yeast infections between their toes. Mm-hmm. Now, just using regular shampoo and stuff on those dogs... It's not going to cut it. ...doesn't work. You've no. got to use an antifungal. Yep. The other thing I was thinking too, just with Marianne talking about these different uh, topicals, was um, one of the ones that kind of does smell pleasant but actually is really helpful for the skin, uh, oatmeal-based... That's right. ...shampoo. So... Yes, they do have a, a fairly pleasing uh, odour to them, but they're also working well on the skin. So coming back to what you said, Cheryl, yeah. it's really about the product matching yeah. what the dog needs. Yeah.
0: And what uh, dogs find appealing in terms of smell isn't necessarily what we find appealing. When I come back from training, no one well. in their right mind would go near me <laughs> except for Gizmo. He's all up in my grill, thinks it's fantastic. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> but, Sarah, you've got to remember Dogs. <laughs>
1: Dogs are very clever, are they? <laughs> just we're just worried about gizmo. But other than that, dogs are very clever.
0: <laughs> they love now, they love a good smell of poo, you know. Dogs do, you see them, they get their little the little nose up. I was up going
1: and, to say that. I mean, yeah, dogs they love are it. Well, their, their sense of smell is really about how they know where the world is and they can map yeah. the world. They know where Little it all DNA is. DNA picture. Mm. Oh, there you go. That's a nice way
2: to put
0: it. That's clever way to put it. Yep. Yeah. Now,
1: we yes. had a lot of calls about or comments about birds today.
0: Yes, yeah. we did.
1: Right. Let me ask you this, though. What do you call two crows on a wire?
0: Two crows on a wire.
1: Mm. Mm. Attempted murder.
0: Oh... <laughs> That is bad. Oh, That's a date. You guys, you guys got it bad. a lot
1: quicker than I did.
0: Oh, because we're smart, That's Cheryl
1: it. and I. Oh, see, pet chat.
0: Oh, oh, you're pulling out the dad jokes now. I've
1: got the grey hair. I might as well have the jokes to go with it.
0: Jack of all trades, <laughs> aren't you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's just about it for us with pet chat today. It was great. Lots of calls.
1: Yeah. Thank, thank you. you.
0: Thank you for all the calls. We appreciate it.